0: Welcome to the Cycling in Alignment podcast, an examination of cycling as a practice and dialogue about the integration of sport and right relationship to your life. Hello there, Cycling in Alignment listeners. I'd like to take a brief moment to speak to you about the podcast. As of this recording, I'm well over 125 episodes in, and this has been a multi-year project. And I'd like to say that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have this podcast. And I mean, I suppose just about anybody could have a podcast now. But what I have is an opportunity to really educate people about the things that I've learned and have amazing discussions with so many guests on my pod and I've got so many more episodes planned in the future. That said, this podcast is a challenge for me. It's a challenge to put it on to find the time and it requires financial investment. I've got to pay for an editor. I've got to pay for equipment. I'm paying for software, paying for all the things you have to pay for when you put a podcast out into the world. And I have had financial supporters in the past. Enduro bearings, namely, has been a great supporter. I've had other supporters as well. But moving forward, I'd like to offer a model in which my audience can show their appreciation directly. After a great amount of consideration and consternation on this topic, I've come to have a model in my mind. The model's really simple. If you have appreciation for the Cycling in Alignment podcast. If you have listened to my episodes and felt that it really has enriched your life, helped you, educated you, perhaps made you think about things from a different perspective, maybe you agreed with me on everything. Maybe you agreed with me on just about nothing, but you listened to anyway. I can't imagine that's the case, but I suppose it's possible. Maybe you agree with about 89% of what I say and the other 11% of the time you think I am batshit crazy. In any case, if you would like to express your appreciation for the time, effort and money that I put into this project, I would be grateful if you would go to my website, colbypierce.com and click on the podcast page and offer some appreciation in the form of a financial contribution. This will help me offset the cost of this podcast. I may have other financial contributors in the future, This isn't a closed model by any means, but I do need to find a way to monetize this podcast. I've considered platforms like Patreon and others, but they seem convoluted and complicated. I don't really want to go to a paywall system. I really want to just offer content and teach, educate, uh, discuss, philosophize, have great dialogue with the guests that I'm honored to have on my show. And to do this in the simplest way possible, I just need to push play, push record that is and then you push play and get it out there. That's always been one of my methods of operation is keep it as simple as possible and just produce the content. I don't have a goal of growing an audience. My goal is to educate people. And if I do that, well, then my audience will grow as a side effect of that. So Another way to offer your appreciation is to share my podcast with other people, to write reviews for me, do all the things, click the stars and make the comments that helps because we live in a world of algorithmic preferential treatment. But if you want to move the dial for me, then please go to my website. That's colbypierce.com. Click on the page titled podcast, and there you will see some options to make a contribution demonstrates your appreciation for what I've done. And for that, I will be grateful. Uh, There'll be a few different levels to this page and the highest level will get you some goodies in as a thank you, including some woolly Rafa t-shirts printed with my Pierce coaching and fitting logo. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you in advance for anything you can do to help me spread the word. If you aren't in a position to contribute financially or don't want to, Again, you can help by simply forwarding my podcast, sharing it with other people, sharing it with your friends, tell people about it on rides, spread the word, and even just send me a message and let me know if I've moved the dial for you. Send me a message and let me know if you have pertinent questions. Also at the highest level of the podcast contribution page, you will have the opportunity to submit a personalized question for detailed analysis on an episode or a private consultation if that's what you prefer. So that's going to be something I can offer you in return for your your financial contribution to my podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'm so grateful for my audience. I appreciate you and the opportunity you've given me. Hello there. Welcome to my podcast. We're singing tonight just for your benefit. Did you know that Humming can help improve the strength of your immune system by creating nitrous oxide in your sinuses. Did you know that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to read you an email from a client. His name is Josh. He told me that I could read this and then we're going to talk about the things that he wrote in his email. This is from November of the year of 2023 in the time of our Lord, the year of our Lord, whatever that means. Hey, Colby. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what I just experienced over the last year or so. I'm not just typing this to you out of the blue. I've listened to all of your podcasts since you started. And I also had a fit with you in August of 2022. You didn't change much about my position, but the little changes you made made a huge difference, especially some of the mental cues with sitting up straighter, more tilt to my pelvis, and a straighter spine. Anyways, this year I hit a wall as far as training and racing. I heard you mention in your podcast multiple times about guys that get into cycling at a later age, which would be me. I was in my mid-30s when I first got involved in endurance sports. I had always been fit, but up to that point was more of a power lifter and short sprint type athlete, having played football in college and later still lifting weights. I got into the endurance realm while going through a horrible divorce and needing a stress outlet. It worked amazing for that. I've always been competitive, so it filled that void as well. fast forward to now, and I completely unraveled this year, both mentally and physically. I've heard you mention the same scenario many times on your podcast, how athletes get started in the sport to escape something else going on in their life. I'm going to pause there and just comment. This is correct. Often the athletes that I encounter in intern sports are running from something in their own lives and they're doing so in the form of sport, perhaps literally, perhaps metaphorically. Their world comes crashing down when inevitably they run so hard that they begin to break their bodies. Returning to Josh's email. They get fitter and faster and everything is going great until they begin to fall back down the other side of that mountain. Long story short, I love training. I always have. I'm 41 years old now, and as I look back, I realize that I've always enjoyed training more than participating in the event I'm actually training for. I've come to the conclusion that I enjoy the process more than the outcome. Which can be great in a way because that outcome doesn't make or break me. The problem is I love the discipline that comes with structured training and pushing through the hard days and the hard workouts. I never miss my workouts on my plan ever. I've always taken pride in that. A lot of it stems back to when I was young, I was reading a book about a football player I really looked up to. He said, you have to go out and train on the days you don't feel like it. It's easy to train on the days you're motivated to, but the days you don't feel like it are the days you absolutely must push through. So that's always been my mindset. That's a very interesting perspective Uh, superficially it sounds like a classic rocky motivation right get out of bed and go ride your bike on the day where it's raining and then you'll be ahead of the guy or the gal who didn't get out of bed to ride their bike when it was raining Uh, go get on the trainer and ride swift at 4 30 in the morning when your competitors are sleeping in or eating pancakes go to the gym at 8.30 at night after a long day at work when your competitors would likewise be at home watching TV, uh, watching Thanos try to destroy the universe for the ninth time. And just like so many ideas, it seems like a good idea at the time, right? What's the problem with this mentality? Well, a problem with this mentality. I'll, I'll try to word this carefully as I usually do. I select my words with consciousness because I don't want to make blanket statements about things and I don't want to paint over things with a veneer. We have too much of that in the world. Currently we need less of that. We need more depth. We need more drilling into, we need greater understanding. So this mentality I will argue isn't good or bad. It's simply a perspective someone has on life and they're holding a value, right? This value is that hard work is good and that you have to work on days when you don't want to work. And of course there are times when that can benefit you. And then there are times where that'll shoot you in the foot and the times where it might shoot you in the foot are times when you're really, truly exhausted and you need a break. And The challenge with this type of mentality is that it doesn't allow for rhythm or seasonality. It doesn't allow for the truth, the natural law of biological oscillators, which is a fractal pattern. So everything in your body oscillates on a natural rhythm. Every single cell, every heartbeat, every breath rate, every menstrual cycle, every lunar cycle, every circadian, ultradian annual rhythm. These all oscillate like a pendulum. And like any cycle, there must be oscillation on either end. And the average is in the middle, but we must travel to either end to continually define the middle. Also, we must go from one end to the other in order to bring balance back to the opposite side. This is also represented in a yin yang symbol. It's a It's a truth. It's the most fundamental truth in the entire universe, arguably. So this mentality simply tries to ignore that natural law. It tries to put human strength ahead of natural strength. And the mechanism by which this happens is the ego. The ego supposes that it can, through an act of will, overcome natural law. And this is incorrect. It's also natural to do so. And to have that struggle is part of being a person, but inevitably balance will have to be restored. It's just like the old love and rocket song. You cannot go against nature because if you do go against nature, it's part of nature too. I will resist the very strong temptation to sing that verse to you at the moment. You've already had enough of my singing. Back to the email. So now skip to the present. My favorite race every year is a fall marathon mountain bike race in the southeastern United States. It's always the second week of October. The leaves are turning, the temperatures are dropping, and it's such a fun race and more importantly, a fun weekend. It's like my Christmas every year. This year, I noticed my motivation took a nosedive about mid-July. So middle July, second week of October. I'm not a math whiz, but that's quite a, a big block of time. I was just not excited to train like usual, my numbers were still good. So I kept pushing through looking back on it. Now I realized that I could still hit the numbers, but was taking a lot. It was taking a lot more out of me. It was taking a lot more out of me to do so. I did a three, a big three-day block in Bentonville, Arkansas, two weeks before the race, where I completely destroyed myself. The plan was then to do a two-week taper before the race and I would be ready to rock. I used the same strategy last year and have one of my best races ever. I'll just make a brief pause and comment there. This is a very common line of thought in my experience. When athletes have a successful formula, they tend to make the same bet. And just as assuming that your bike fit will never change, or that the same pair of shoes will be comfortable on your feet for your entire career or saddle. This is probably erroneous logic. It could work. You might be able to pull off the same training block, but in reality, we don't have a reason to expect that it will work because in spite of what Sebastian Weber says on my podcast, I still am convinced that training is fundamentally a black box problem because humans are always evolving to their life stress. They are always adapting to their total physiological load. And this means by definition, one year later, you are not the same person. You cannot be, you could be very similar. Things could be very similar. Your situation could be quite quite close to identical, but I would expect that this would be the minority of cases most people have significant life events about once a year. whether that's a divorce, a move, a job change, a kitchen fire, uh, the death of a friend, the death of a pet, the adoption of a new pet, the adoption of a new child, the birth of a child, the acquisition of a new home, the change of jobs, etc. Like these things happen with pretty regular frequency. And all of these things will influence your physiology, And your physiology dictates your athletic outcome and your total life energy, your total life vitality, your your total vital force. So when we consider this perspective, it's easy to understand that it doesn't really make that much sense for us to anticipate that the same training block that worked 365 days ago will work again to get the same result. I can see why someone would want this to be the case because it's a simple solution. And I can also see why when you're asking yourself, well, am I close enough to where I was a year ago that this could work? You might gloss over some obvious details in order to support that fact-finding mission. This is called confirmation bias, right? Humans do it all the time. I'm sure I've done it many, many times in my own life. However, that doesn't mean it's a good idea. And it doesn't mean that that adopting that training program will be effective. So the best way to figure out or have an intuition and instinct in training is to empty yourself and then follow the first rule of athletics. My primary rule, when you decide to be an athlete and you embark on the athletic journey, you take your first step in that adventure, the first rule, the most important rule is simply to know thyself. And that means continually know thyself. That means an ongoing assessment and understanding of your own physiological load, your own stresses, your own health, your own status, your own phenotype, your evolving phenotype, My phenotype evolved multiple times during my race career to actually pretty crazy extremes. I'll tell you that story someday if you want to hear it. Back to the email. Rewinding two sentences, the plan was then to do a two-week taper before the race and be ready to rock. I used this same strategy last year and had one of my best races ever. Throughout the two-week taper, I actually started feeling horrible. That's pretty unusual. That means... Most likely, that the training camp that was incurred in Bentonville before the taper was really quite deep and dug a hole, a pretty solid hole. It got worse and worse as the race drew closer. By the time I was driving to the race on Friday to pre ride, I didn't even want to race. I had major anxiety, which I had never, ever had in my life. So, this is the first comment in the email, which clues us into something beyond the physical uh, it's not the first but it's a major signpost and anxiety is a much different word than being tired being smashed training hard obliteration these types of things it's the first signpost that really points us towards the relationship between the psyche and the physical outcome of the body. And this relationship is inextricably interwoven and must be respected and understood. I had major anxiety, which I had never had in my life. I actually thought I was having a damn mental breakdown. I was extremely irritable, having a hard time focusing, emotional, and had a constant sense of being overwhelmed. My sympathetic nervous system was constantly on. I couldn't control it. I made myself do the race and felt awful the entire time. My result was actually pretty good landing on the podium, but the amount of mental and physical energy it took to get through the race was insane. It was one of the most miserable 4.5 hours of my life. So that's pretty insightful. In spite of this anxiety attack or experience, Josh opted to continue with the race, to, to start the race and managed still to pull out a major um, a high-level athletic performance, we'll say. My result was actually pretty good landing on the podium, he said. So even with these obstacles and events that are occurring, going into the race for months and weeks heading into the race, Josh's course remained the same And what I'm getting. What I'm pointing out is somewhat trite, perhaps or obvious. Uh, I'm not trying to speak in platitudes, but all I'm saying is that in spite of the fact that Josh was experiencing major difficulty, he opted to keep going. Nothing changed his behavior. He simply did what he was there to do, which was get on the bike and go race. Okay, back to the email. All I wanted to do was cross the finish line and get it over with. I continued to struggle with the anxiety and moments of hypersensitivity to light, sounds, emotions, etc. It was awful. People close to me thought I had developed some type of anxiety disorder due to my mom dying a couple of years ago. Aha, another clue. I kept telling them, them that yes, I miss my mom, but I've dealt with that the best I know how, and I didn't feel like it was stemming from that. My gut instinct was telling me something, it was something physical. I finally made a doctor appointment. I'm not a fan of modern Western medicine, so I avoid the doctor at all costs, unless it's an acute injury like a broken bone. He ran blood work and my testosterone levels were crazy low. My overall testosterone was well over under 300 nanograms per deciliter, but my doctor told me the more important number was my free testosterone. It should have been up close to 200 and it was 38. My gut was right. Now, that's an interesting statement. I immediately felt some relief for feeling validated in my thinking of what was going on. You've heard me mention this before, perhaps, but I would offer that what's going on with Josh is a role reversal or really an order of operations error. Josh is operating under the understanding that Physical symptoms predate physiological outcomes and uh, psychiatric or mental states. So the anxiety was caused by the low testosterone. When we consider a different paradigm, one in which The psyche is actually manifesting our physicality, then those orders are reversed. So if the person is struggling with their environment and they are experiencing emotional turmoil or challenge, emotional wounds, and those wounds or emotional states are not expressed or healed then the physical body will begin to incur consequences. This is the basis of, for example, one system, Chinese medicine, would offer that when we harbor negative emotions, they reside in the organs and specific emotions reside in specific organs. And there are ways of releasing those emotions from the organs. Now, to someone who's... Steeped in Western medicine, that sounds like complete nonsense, and I have no problem if you're thinking that right now, but you're probably already past that initial barrier if you're this far into my podcasts. So on we go, I'll finish this part of the email and then we can comment further. I hope you haven't bored you with my experience. Well, Josh, um, your email has been anything but boring. The reason I'm emailing you is to pick your brain. If you've had similar situations that you've seen throughout your years of cycling, what are some of the bits of advice you have from recovering? You have for recovering from it by it. I think he means low testosterone. I still love the sport. So how do I continue to stay in the sport in the healthiest manner possible? Thanks for your time and wisdom. And please creep, keep the great podcast content coming. Well, thank you, Josh, for letting me read this email on the pod. So, this is quite interesting, right? We've had all these bits of information from Josh, and I really appreciate his willingness to share both with me and in uh, a public forum. So I'm going to read back my email response. My first email's response to Josh. Hi, Josh. Thank you for sharing this story. You have a lot of info here and it's all very interesting. What I heard you tell me is that you adopted the belief system of a football player when you were a child that told you to train hard all the time. And this is how you gain advantage over other athletes. From my perspective, with most things in life, the strength can also be a weakness. Having the strength to train on rainy days is a plus when your goal is to train for an event every year or make the Olympic team. However, training like this comes with a price. So I'll pause there in my own talking. The thing about training at an elite level is that by definition it is myopic and out of balance. So when we consider the concepts of health in relation to athletic performance, we understand that health is a prerequisite for athletic performance. This is a critical concept. We all must understand this. Health is a prerequisite for athletic performance. It has to be. So, think about it for a minute. Without health, you can't do anything. If you've got COVID, can you race your bike? If you've got a torn ACL, can you play basketball effectively? No, of course not. If you're having severe anxiety or to the point where you can't leave the house, how are you going to your bike and do a criterium or a gravel race? It's probably not going to be something that's possible. So we have to Understand that health is primary to everything. It's fundamental to all tasks. And athleticism, by definition, puts us out of balance because we're challenging the physical and psychic bodies to become stronger, to become more resilient. In order to undertake that training, undergo that training, we have to apply stress. To add stress to a system, the system has to be resilient enough to handle any stress. If the system, meaning the body, the mind, the spirit, and the soul are already stressed to the point where they're on the verge of collapse, and then you try and train, well, you're going to break things. So when we're in alignment with our training, our choices in global health and athletic performance are congruent or parallel. Now, if you're getting paid to ride your bike. I'm talking at the world level or maybe the national level in whatever nation you live in, then it's possible that at times, some of the choices you make for your athletic improvement may be slightly divergent from your choices for global health. Example, it's not really globally healthy or holistically healthy to get up at 430 in the morning and eat a 1200 calorie breakfast, consuming mostly of carbohydrates, Jump on your bike, ride at near maximum pace for eight or nine hours, and consume 140 grams of sugar per hour. There's no universe where that's considered healthy. None. So don't kid yourself. You're not healthy because you're racing your bike. What you're doing is you're being an athlete and expressing a dream. And in that moment, your athletic dreams are divergent from your health. Maybe not at an extreme angle, but they are divergent. Meaning if you keep doing that long enough, your health will collapse over a long enough timeline. Everyone's health will collapse. This is natural law. It's just a question of when some people might make it years, maybe decades, but some will have problems pretty much right away. Just a question of when, not if. So we accept that athletic performance takes us from our mission to be healthy humans And perhaps that's acceptable in the short term. It's swinging the pendulum out of balance. Why? So that we can experience joy and have all the experiences that go along with a great athletic performance. It's very satisfying to cross the line after a hundred mile gravel race or mountain bike race and be really quite empty. That's a very unique sense of satisfaction because you have pushed yourself to an extreme. The challenge comes when we tell ourselves that we have to do this all the time to be prepared for competition. Or in Josh's case, we don't even really care that much about the competition. We just tell us that we have to do this all the time in preparation for what? What is Josh preparing for? What is he enduring? That's the real question. Okay, back to my response. Humans are not evolved to push super hard in endurance events week after week, year after year. Threshold is a man-made construct. It has no value in nature. Think about this for a minute. When are you ever at threshold in a natural scenario? Tribal man fights a bear, takes three minutes, tops, tops, probably more like 28 seconds. I mean, have you ever seen the Instagram channel, nature is metal? watch some of the bear videos on there and you will get an understanding firsthand of how insanely powerful a bear is. We have no chance against those animals, none if they decide to eat us or maim us, maul us. When else is man a threshold? Well, we're persistence hunters. We're made to walk and maybe jog and then track an animal herd for hours and hours until they fall over at three 30 in the afternoon in the heat of the day. And us with our sweat glands and big tracking brains can walk right up to them and stab them in the face with a spear that we made with our opposable thumbs. Right? Maybe you could argue we're at threshold. If another tribe attacks our tribe for what? 12 minutes. Like That type of battle didn't take very long, probably. So primitive man didn't go running up the side of a mountain at threshold. They didn't do a marathon at threshold. They didn't ride their bike for 112 miles. They didn't do a gravel race. So threshold, I'll say it again, is a man-made construct that has no value in nature. It is an artifice of competitive culture. And as Terrence McKenna said, culture is not a healthy thing. There are a lot of things I'd love about culture, but I mean, he's inarguably right. There is no natural event where you would run for 90 minutes as fast as you can. And this type of work takes an extraordinary toll on the body. It stresses the joints, the mitochondria, and the hormonal system tremendously. Especially repetitive endurance exercise. So what I'm saying is you're running over uneven terrain, up and down hills on different surfaces with shoes that are appropriate for the demands, but minimal and allow natural mechanics, you could argue that at least you're moving the body in different planes and allowing it to express itself in the one of the most natural forms, if not the most natural form. I mean, what did we evolve to do when we went from quadruped to biped, we evolved to become bipedal and run and walk, right? So in that instance, maybe, But you're still not going to do it for 90 minutes flat out. This makes no sense. There's no universe where that makes sense. So we might say the cause of your poor race performance was training too much. This brings up the question, how do you continue to have an enjoyable race experience like that, like you have in the past without compromising your health? That's really Josh's question. I would offer if you continue to follow this belief system and idealize the mentality of training really hard when it is raining out, a simplified symbol of what you're saying, then you may continue to have health problems with as a complication of this choice. I don't know this is the case, But based on what happened last year, I think it's highly likely the trajectory of health complications will continue and get worse if you continue to train and race as you have. I don't want to pretend doom or kill anyone's dream, but I have to call it like I see it. That said, there are many possible paths you could take, and there are many choices. So I try to say somewhat neutral in my language there because I, I don't want to nocebo anybody, and I have seen that happen many times. So I don't know what's going to happen with Josh if he keeps training like this, but if I was a betting man and I have to tell him honestly, I don't go or live in Vegas, go to or live in Vegas. I'm not a betting person per se, not in the literal sense, but if I were and I were betting one way or another, if Josh keeps training like he is, he's going to run into some problems. That would be my bet. Here's the critical sentence. It is important to recognize that it is a choice to follow a belief system. A belief system is what you signed up for. It's the lens through which you see the world. It's part of your myth. Your myth is a story that has never happened but is happening all the time. This is one definition. Another is the myth is the story you tell yourself about the world. There are four quadrants in which a myth plays out, and one of them is the world stage. This is the stage of bike racing. It's the stage upon which others witness you. The myth also plays out in your own internal environment, your own skull. Right? So, to continue... It is important to recognize that it is a choice to follow a belief system. We always have a choice. It is not mandatory and it is not Josh or who you are. It is just something you choose to do. That is a critical sentence. Yes, maybe you can hack it for a while by eating more organic grass-fed beef and looking after the six foundational principles. In fact, I would recommend you do this anyway, not for performance reasons, but do it to optimize your health. You probably need to do that because your testosterone is really low. Maybe you can change your training and use a minimum effective dose model and let go of the David Goggins perspective for a while, and you can extend your racing by a few years or even a decade train smarter, not harder. Or you can do what a lot of people are doing, just go get hormone replacement therapy, which I do not recommend. This is the ultimate modern shortcut. Completely avoid responsibility for the choices you have made in your life that have wrecked your health and just take the easy route. The true test of being a real man won't be if it continued to train in the rain It will be if you hit the HRT eject button. This is the tap out of the modern era. The best part is your doctor will tell you it is 100% safe. He will also make a lot of money when you sign up for prescription hormones for the rest of your life. And I hate to be skeptical on this, but I will tell you that it is really hard to change someone's belief system when their paycheck is tied to it. So you can go in there and argue all kinds of science with your doctor and you're not going to win that one. It's just the truth. People have their prices, but all of the above is incidental to the real cause of your low testosterone. Low T is just one aspect of health that was caught in the diagnosis process of your doctor or the net of your doctor's screening capacities. But I am 100% certain there were many other signs of this outcome before it manifested. What is the actual root cause of your low T and the dark and stormy race experience you had? This is the part I don't think you've quite come to terms with yet. Here it comes again. Physical pain is a manifestation of emotions. Emotional experience is the driver of physical experience. That's another way for me to say what I said before, which is simply that spirit and soul have experiences and they manifest a physical body. So if the spirit, and in particular, the soul really is having negative experiences, trauma, wounding, and that experience is not healed, not processed properly, then physical consequences, physical outcomes, it's not even a consequence. It's simply the result of the soul having that experience. That's all it is. It's the manifestation. And that word is super hippy-dippy in charge right now. But man, you just got to deal with it. I There are words I don't like for sure. But I refuse to manipulate my language when the word is appropriate given the cultural implications and charge of some of the words that are currently thrown around whatever form I don't give a shit about. It's the right word to use. I'll use it back to the email. So I'm not here to tell you what emotional state led you to having that race experience or led you to drive your testosterone so low. That is up for you. That is up to you for you to figure out. Wait, sorry, I missed a couple sentences here. I skipped a paragraph. So I wrote, physical pain is a manifestation of emotions. Emotional experience is the driver of physical experience. This is something we don't understand as a culture. We have the order backwards. We think, that we have a physical experience and then react to it emotionally. I'm here to tell you that in the vast majority of cases, the order is reversed. You have an emotion and then your physical body has an experience that reflects this emotion and even weirder, our emotional state causes physical outcomes. Now I wrote even weirder, but that's not weird at all. When you understand the correct order, just people have it backwards, right? We think we have a physical experience and then react to it emotionally. This is not how it goes. You have an emotion, and then your physical body has an experience that reflects this emotion. So I'm not here to tell you what emotional state led you to having the race experience or led you to drive your T so low. Note how I phrased that led you to drive your T so low. That is up for you to figure out. But from my view, this is what happened. If you agree, I recommend that you sit under a tall tree for a while and think about it and figure out exactly what it is you are feeling that resulted in that whole thing happening. Think about the big things, job, marriage, kids, your legacy, your mom, your dad, and your relationship with God, whatever God means to you. Buddha, Allah, plants, Gaia, I don't care what word you want to give it. Actually, it's technically ineffable anyway. True God, true source is that which cannot be described. So to put a word on it is to limit it by definition, which you cannot do. I hope you find this helpful. Then I asked Josh if we could have this conversation on the pod and he consented. Okay. So one more response from Josh. Hey, Colby, I greatly appreciate your detailed response. I agree with you 100% on this negative outcome being a culmination of many things. As I mentioned in the previous email, I got into endurance sports after going through a horrible divorce. That was in 2017. Horrible would be an understatement. So here we get an insight into some of the trauma this man's been through, and it is not insignificant. She was sentenced to 25 years in prison for poisoning her eight-year-old son, my stepson. She was diagnosed by a court-appointed psychiatrist with Munchausen syndrome. That was a living hell for over three straight years. But I will say, when it was all over, it was an enormous weight lifted off my shoulders immediately. At that point, I didn't take anything for granted and started living life at 1,000 miles per hour. So take a moment to just consider that. That's an absolutely insane life trajectory to have to deal with that and I've met some people who have gone through some real trauma and I'll say that it's stories like this that make you make me realize and remember that there are things that are worse than death so it it makes me take a moment to have pause and have gratitude for the all the things that I'm blessed with in my life of which there are many but this is unquestionably trauma and what i will point out is he says it right here in the last sentence at that point i didn't take anything for granted here's the important part and started living life at 1000 miles per hour quote with an exclamation point this tells us everything we need to know i'm not a psychoanalyst i'm not a psychiatrist full disclaimer not a doctor don't play one on the internet but to me what this says is after three years of basically being tortured in jail, you get out and what do you do? You sprint just because of your freedom, but you also sprint to get away from where you were. You don't look at it. You don't acknowledge it. You don't see it in the rearview mirror. You do not take time to process it. You don't take time to sit in the crucible because you've been in a crucible for a while. But There's something about trauma, and again, I'm not a trauma expert. There's something about trauma where when you're going through it, it might be extremely painful, extremely uncomfortable. Then once that experience is over and you regain a sense of equilibrium or equanimity, in order to heal, we must look in the rearview mirror and then from that place of equanimity, reprocess that trauma. Now, reprocess is a word that makes me slightly uncomfortable in this context, because I don't believe that endlessly talking about your trauma will resolve it. I think there's more to it than that. And there are a lot of techniques involved in trauma work that are quite nuanced. And some of them are quite new in that world and unusual. In fact, my wife's studying many of them at the moment. So I'm I'm sort of aware of what I'm not aware of here, because I haven't studied this extensively, but I know that. The old punch, dance out your rage, punch a pillow kind of thing tends to not bring resolution for many people who have experienced this level of trauma. But I will say we have to turn around and look in the rearview mirror and see that trauma from a place where we are now, we have more of a baseline of equilibrium, of centeredness. We have to. Because the only way to heal something is to fully accept it. And I, from what I'm reading here, Josh never took the time to do that. He just ran away from it. And he ran all the way into bike racing. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so, okay, after we're living life at a thousand miles an hour, I started having some success in racing due to my dedication and discipline. Yeah. When you're running from a giant nuclear explosion, you can run really fast. I was up every morning at 4 a.m. Yeah. Because from 4 to 6 is when you get your REM sleep and you do your deepest dreaming. And dreams are messages from the deep. Dreaming is when your subconscious communicates with you. So when you're up at 4 a.m., you're skipping that chapter of sleep. You're not even opening it. And this is certain to cause long-term consequences. Because what do you do when you're left to your own devices? When when we're not stressed and we're not running from something, we normally have REM sleep. So we know it's part of natural cycle. I was up every morning at 4 a.m. and on the bike by 415, knocking out my training session for the day. On Tuesdays and Fridays, I would throw in a strength session after work. I began structured training with Trainer Road and immediately realized that I would be get really strong really fast and then turn to shit shortly after feeling so great. I have a degree in exercise physiology. So, I started digging into science of endurance training. I couldn't believe how much intensity was in the trainer road after reading about most training programs. That's also an insightful sentence. I'm going to read it again. I couldn't believe how much intensity was in trainer road after reading about most training programs. I'm just going to leave that one there. So, in 2020, I decided to increase my volume with a ton of easy endurance riding through the winter. I built up a huge base, started to sprinkle in a little intensity, had the best race of my life by total mistake that spring. That wasn't by mistake, Josh. It was a 70 mile gravel race. I was in the lead group of about 10, and I attacked at the midpoint because I knew we had a tailwind the whole way to the finish line. By I'm a 185 pound guy with a diesel engine, so I figured it was my best shot. I held on the gas for over 30 minutes before I looked back, and there was nobody in sight. Interesting. That sentence, even there, This might sound like I'm reaching for for something, but you rode as hard as you could for 30 minutes and didn't look back to see if there was someone on your wheel once. That is the literal manifestation of you hitting the ground, running at a thousand miles an hour after this divorce. That's the physical manifestation of the same thing. I ended up beating second place by 10 minutes at the point I was convinced that high volume was the way to go. But at the same time, I started having some physical problems I had never experienced before. Both my hips started hurting and I had a sharp pain on the lateral side of my right foot. These symptoms were the reason I eventually contacted you for a bike fit. A year prior to these symptoms, I lost my grandma. She was 85 and lived a great long life, but it was still hard because we were extremely close. After a few months that my aunt a few months after that my aunt passed away whom I was really close to. And then 2 years after that my mom was diagnosed with cancer the week after Thanksgiving of 2021 and she died January 15th of 2022. So okay, now we're not just talking about a thermonuclear bomb. We're talking about running from a thermonuclear explosion and at that moment Thanos hits the button to rain fire. There are literally space alien torpedoes hitting the earth all over your terrain. You live in a crater wasteland of trauma. I come from an extremely close family, the type of family that gets together for a dinner a couple times per month, no matter what. And my mom was the mortar that held all of that together. So it changed the entire dynamic of our family. When she passed away, there is another mortar right there. She was only 62. At that point, I really dove into training because I just needed an outlet to keep my mind off things. Boom, you nailed it. That's exactly what you were doing. At that time, The same at the same time, the company I was working for made some management changes that turned my lo- work life into hell. I really had been with the company close to 10 years, but I was making plans to leave because the culture had gotten so bad. The CEO fired several people and righted the ship. I was promoted and my work life has been great ever since. So, okay, that's wonderful. Finally, a bright chapter in this uh, wasteland of space craters. I was on vacation in August, 2022 in Werner park. When I came to see you for a fit, I went on to have a great race that year. And I described to you in the previous email, I continued to deal with a tightness in my hips. So I went to the doctor that winter to try to figure out what was going on so I could be healed up by the spring of 2023 x-rays of my hips showed nice big gaps between my femoral heads and hip sockets. So they ruled out Arthritis. I did two months of PT with no change. I'm still dealing with the hip pain now. I'm just going to mention that, okay, in Chinese medicine, we trap emotions in the organs. However, in other systems, emotions can influence joints as well. This is this might sound like woo-woo weird ass shit, but you tell me we're reading the same email here. I feel like I'm getting ahead of it with some functional movements and pressure release in my glutes. The left side is definitely worse with gluteal gluteal tendinopathy or trochanteric bursitis or whatever one wants to call it. It seems like one problem with four names. That is frequently the case. That's because Western medicine sees it from these limited lenses and gives it a different title. What is the mother of the problem? It's Running at a thousand miles an hour causes your hips to break down. And specifically, the where, if we think about the emotional focus of where you are going to fulcrum that type of emotion, it's in the glutes sprinting forward with all your might to run from this trauma. I'm being very direct in my assessment of this email. So uh, I, I just need to pause and witness what what's coming out of my own mouth here again. I know what I know and I think I know a lot, but at the same time, as I've said often in my other podcasts, I don't know shit. So I'm doing the best I can to interpret this through my lens, through my training, through my life experiences. This may or may not be a complete assessment. It may or may not be accurate or correct. All I can do is try to be helpful, but I had to um, offer that disclaimer. The anxiety and general sensations of not feeling like myself started in 2023. I first noticed a lack of motivation to train early in the year. This is like an angry Forrest Gump or a terrified Forrest Gump just felt like running and eventually you just feel like going home. Your soul will start to realize that the running from the trauma isn't solving the problem. You're just trying to escape it, but you can't escape something. That's in your own shadow. It's literally running from your shadow, literally and metaphorically, and you can run as fast and as hard as you want. And you will always cast a shadow. I pushed through it because that's what I've always done. Yes. Autopilot in hindsight, I can see multiple red flags. My legs were constantly sore and weak. Side note, if this describes you, I would invite you to re-examine your motivations and your training load. I was hitting all my numbers on the bike, but RPE was through the roof. sounds like a perfect setup to prove to yourself how tough you are. Another way to phrase this or view this type of outcome or experience that Josh is having is the literal interpretation of endurance, what he's had to do with the three-year period with his wife was endure incredible amounts of probably emotional pain, uh, sadness, uh, perhaps some disbelief, probably despair. These are just words that come to me when I imagine myself in his position, disappointment, fear, right? And you have to endure that situation because you can't just push a button and escape it. You can't close it in a closet door. It's your life. It's it, in his case, it was his wife. So fundamentally he learned to endure. And so if you are in the position where your legs are constantly sore and weak and you are smashing yourself to oblivion because it's what you've always done, what is it that you are trying to train yourself to endure? That is, might be an insightful question what is it about your life that you feel compelled to endure i was hitting all my numbers on the bike but rpe was through the roof my strength was way low in the gym that's the t pull-ups were harder push-ups were harder squats and deadlifts felt harder my hips got tighter and tighter yeah forcing it Uh, muscles run out of fuel t is a form of fuel muscles run out of fuel the soul still pumps in the effort, the life force, the attempt to move, but the muscles don't have the juice. The, the joints will feel the consequence. In mid-July, the anxiety really ramped up, but once again, I kept pushing through. I remember noticing in Bentonville two weeks before my A-race that I wasn't having fun on the trails. Mountain biking is my number one love of cycling. That's where I began to feel, that's where I feel like a kid again. Not this time, I've still pushed through. I figured I would be feeling amazing once I rested up in my two-week taper for the race, but that's when everything hit me all at once. Once I took time off to recover, the anxiety floored me and had me wondering if I was having a fucking mental breakdown, quote. That's when I really thought at times, I, Josh, that's completely understandable. You were, you were in the throes of some real challenge. And that challenge was a result of your experiences as an adult. It's not your fault. These are the circumstances that your life brought you. They're the cards that you had been played. I had never experienced those kinds of feelings or emotions before I explained the rest to you in the last email with how the race went. I know this is lengthy, but I want you to see the big picture of how I got to where I am now, as I was typing out this email, I was shocked at all the red flags that are blatantly obvious. I've been on the bike off the bike now for six weeks, but I still continue to be active with some strength training, little running, walking, swimming, and stretching. That's quite a bit of activity from the sounds of it. I've cut out all sugar in my diet. That's excellent. And I'm eating extremely clean. I've increased my healthy fats and protein and de- decreased carb consumption drastically. Mm. Uh, I'm going to take just a moment to point something out here. In about 1972, red meat was the devil. In 1989, fat was evil and we ended up with fat free pizza. In the 80s, bell bottom jeans were the shit. Right now, then in the early thousands, knots, the knots, skinny jeans came back in. Now we're back to stovepipe sloppy jeans what are they called there's something where it gets all dumpy at the bottom at the cuff there's some name for it it's like a broken stovepipe or something i can't remember anyway you see where i'm going with this right now carbs are the devil and it's just fashion man in another 12 years you i'll tell you what we're almost there actually where it's probably more like 3 years thanks to the i'll say hmm, choosing my words carefully, propaganda from certain vegetarian and vegan interested parties who are trying to convince us that meat consumption is responsible for global warming. Hmm. Which I do not believe. Uh, thanks to this discussion, meat is on its way back to being vilified. So we're just making rounds. Carbs are not evil. Carbs are not the devil. Go Watch a Blue Zone documentary, there are plenty of people who eat tons of carbs and they are the oldest, healthiest people on the planet. We have to get beyond macros, people. This is one of the problems with modern sport, the obsession with macronutrients. It's like the obsession with functional threshold power drives me insane. I digress. I've increased my healthy fats and protein and decreased carbs consumption drastically. I will say decreasing carb consumption can be good if you overdo it and you begin a cycle of insulin response that is unfavorable, that is big insulin swings. Then you kind of have to go towards the keto end of things to get things stable, at least for a finite period of time. I do feel like I'm climbing out of this hole, although it's a very slow climb. I had a doctor appointment yesterday to discuss what steps to try to get my T back up to healthy levels. I decided against TRT. Thank you, Josh. And my doctor agreed this was the correct decision for now. After listening to your podcast with Ashley Frager, I have discarded all air fresheners in my house and my vehicles. Thank God. Thank you so much, Ashley, for your podcast. I'm so grateful for that. Everyone should go listen to that, please, if you haven't. This woman is a health wizard and she brings an undeniably beautiful gift to the world through her own healing. And these are the most powerful healers we have. Along with all detergents, soaps, etc. Hallelujah. Keep on it, brother. I will continue down this path for at least a month and see how I'm feeling then go back and get more blood work to see how my levels are. Awesome work, Josh. I've also been digging into any and all information I can find on sex hormones. There's an abundance of information from Peter Atiyah and Huberman. Yes, there is. I really respect both of those guys and trust their opinions. I think they can be good sources as well. That said, I think both of them, in my opinion, are worships or worshipers of the altar of science. They've signed up hook, line, and sinker. And I say that That comes across pretty harsh. I think Peter needs a bit more feeling in his life. That's just my personal opinion. Feel free to disregard that. It's really not relevant to this discussion. Once again, Colby, thank you for your time and insight you have into my journey as I try to navigate through this. You're welcome, Josh. I hope I was helpful. I don't mind at all if you share my story with others on you uh, with others or on your podcast. Thank you again. I think it would be very beneficial for others to learn from. I agree. It has been an eye-opening experience for me for sure. I never would have thought I would be in this position feeling the way I do, both mentally and physically. A strong type A alpha male has been, as, as a strong type A alpha male, it has been very hard on me, but on the bright side, it has humbled me and also made me much more empathetic to people going through anxiety or depression. This is also an insightful statement. Anxiety is, if you've never had an anxiety attack or been in a moment of anxiety, understanding it is extremely difficult in my experience. I've had a few brief moments of anxiety in my life, and it does something completely different to your brain. It's a really, really hard place to live in. One film that kind of captures this a little bit is the film Wanted. They get a bit into that in that movie. It's an interesting story. It's also very Hollywood and it's got Angelina in it. So you can't go wrong with that, I suppose. I had never experienced those feelings before all of this, but now that I have, I can tell you that it is terrifying to stay the least. And when it's all said and done, I will end up much healthier and a much more conscious human. Hallelujah, Josh. That is the truth right there, brother. Let me remind you that out of the most. Challenging cauldrons come the most precious diamonds, meaning there's a cheesy cat poster analogy and you go through hardship and you survive and you come out with some skills. You come out with some, some healing, some experience. I mean, this is Ashley's story. This is Matt Appleman's story. This is so many stories I have on my pod. I love this idea of the, the wounded shaman that heals the world right? Somebody has a problem they need to solve. They have a personal experience that they need to process and heal. And they do this. And in some cases, it even produces a product or a method that helps other people heal their trauma. And this is beautiful. This is how we help each other. This is how we help other people be better people. So I really hope you found this journey to be insightful or helpful, and perhaps it's led you to some insight in your own trauma, your own life experience. I did write Josh back one more time, and I mentioned to him one thing, one sentence I'll read. I would say what you've described sounds like an addiction. That's referring to his exercise tendencies. And as one of my teachers has defined an addiction, it is any repeated behavior that does not produce a desirable outcome that you can apply this to anything coffee bike riding chocolate sex porn sugar video games anything you're addicted to is it's a repeated behavior that does not produce a desirable outcome so if you take time to breathe deeply every day and that is a repeated behavior But it increases your vitality, your life force, and your awareness, and the oxygen levels in your body, then that produces a desirable outcome. So it's not qualified as an addiction, it's just a healthy habit. See the difference? Thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you have comments on this pod, feel free to write something on the gram. If you think this podcast will help someone you know, please forward it to them. That's why I do this. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me on this journey. And once again, I'm going to thank Josh for sharing his story with everyone. I very much appreciate your transparency and honesty. Move consciously, everyone. And I'll see you on the next episode of Cycling and Alignment. And by see, I mean, you'll hear me and my guests. Thanks. Epilogue, I want to share a few brief thoughts about the inception of cycling and alignment. The purpose of this podcast is for me to get three and a half decades of hard fought lessons out of my skull. Some of them through my own research and reading, some of them I've been taught through mentors and colleagues, other riders, other racers. A lot of it, a massive amount of it, was simply trial and error through my own stubborn methods and that has amassed a certain amount of experience and knowledge understanding and while i think i'm reasonably smart and i know quite a bit of stuff i want to make it clear that the opinions that i share on this podcast are belief systems built on what i've experienced to this point and some of those opinions are pretty strong but they are also loosely held. That is to say that if I learn more about a topic and have a greater level of clarity or understanding, then my old belief systems will be abandoned and I will now operate under that newfound knowledge. So I'm not here to tell people all the things that I know. I'm here to explain what I've learned to this point. And there's a big difference. Also, that is the intent when I discuss things on the pod with guests is to learn from them and have a discourse. Because if we can't have a discourse as adults, then we've lost one of the basic tenets of modern society. Even if we disagree, we ought to be able to, in most cases, shake hands and walk away. Because after all, This is sport we're talking about. And while sport is training for life, it's nothing to get too upset over. The purpose of the podcast is to help me help other people. And specifically to help them actualize their highest potential by illuminating a path that enables alignment with their truth, their intent, and their coherence. That's really the end goal. So I'm grateful for your listening. My intent is also not to be clear to gain an audience or become popular or gain social status in any way. I don't care about that stuff. That said, if you feel an episode that you have heard will help someone you know, please share it with them. That helps us reach the end goal, which is to help more people. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for your time and attention. Blessings.